We're beginning our new series and it's called Real Life. And uh, if you do know uh, a little bit about Willow Park Church, the board initiated a, a vision document for our church. And so this isn't just about a sermon series like Relentless, which we had all, of, uh, all through the summer where we took major Bible characters. Uh, and my last one I preached on was the story of Job. And I encourage you that when you go through difficult times, like Job, we should uh, seek God for the meaning of that and listen to God's heart in the middle of those challenges and those problems. What I didn't realize actually was, uh, was that I would have to practice that myself as the preacher over the next two weeks as, I, uh, as we went. But this series is Real Life. Uh, and it deals with the three, four key areas of our church vision, which is uh, real, which is redeemed, E, which is empowered, A, which is in activate in terms of all of our involvement in the life of the church, and L, which is listening, which is that we are a praying church. We produced a document with this, with the vision and with how it was laid out. And uh, we are beginning through now in September, through October into November, preaching our way through the church's, the board's vision of, of how and what kind of church we believe God is calling us to be in the 21st century. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking the vastness and the meaning of the word redeemed. It's a fabulous word, and it communicates so much. Now, you must forgive me, I only flew in on Friday, and so if I fall asleep, you know why. And, and it has been um, uh, actively preparing on the plane, which I've always said is very good. You're closer to heaven, and 36,000 feet, and, uh, and all that is taking place, and all that has happened, so... If I don't seem uh, myself, I will try my best. You know, for those of you visiting, that it has been a very uh, uh, testing time. But the one thing I realize in the Christian ministry and church is that God doesn't need heroes, okay? It's okay to travel through difficult and challenging times and to know that it takes time for the healing to take place. Isn't that true? In your own grief and our own problems and our own battles, uh, God doesn't need a hero. But I do did want to share this weekend at the beginning of our kickoff as we push forward through the fall and begin to frame the vision. So we're going to start with redeemed. Let me first of all, if you've got your Bibles and your seat on the screen, turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. A glorious scripture, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We'll hold that verse right there. The very essence of us who are redeemed people, the very vision of our church is that people meet Jesus and they are transformed by the power of the gospel. We are a gospel central church. We believe in the preaching of the gospel. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe that the very, very hope of our nation, the hope of British Columbia, is in the power of the gospel to come into broken lives and to redeem them. 
And I don't know where you're at in your own life, but if you've come into this building and you feel like you're pretty broken, you feel like your, your life is in a mess, you feel like your life is, is, is confused and, and you're wondering for direction, I want to tell you that there is no condemnation here, but there is the gift of salvation and life for you. And the very nature of redemption is that the Lord comes and he rescues us. He comes and exchanges with us our sinfulness, all the wrong that is in our lives, all the doubt and all the pain and all the difficulty. And he comes into our lives and he gives us new birth and new beginning. Why am I so convinced about this? Why am I convinced that as Willow Park Church We have to keep preaching the gospel and we have to keep being committed to preaching the good news that transforms lives. Well, very simply, it's this. I have been transformed by the power of Jesus. You and I have met Jesus Christ. We believe in the power of conversion. We believe in the great stories of biblical redemption. We believe that when a man or a woman meets Jesus Christ, they are changed for eternity and they can know the presence of God within their lives. That is immense comfort in the world that we live in. There is, no, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does this really mean? Well, that's a lovely word. There is no condemnation. It is actually, in the Greek, a word that actually denotes a legal statement. In other words, that when you're in Christ Jesus, something legally happens in the heavenlies, and you, rather being condemned, you are now forgiven, and your shame is gone, and a new life begins. That's what takes place when Jesus Christ enters our lives. And and that is a, a legal statement. It is a legal statement because we know that there is other laws at work. There's the law of sin and death. There's the law that we all die. There's the law that sin produces pain and separation from humanity towards God. And there is this law at work that, that, that blinds us to the existence and the reality of God. Well, let me tell you, Willow Park Church's vision is on every occasion, every opportunity, we want to tell people that they can exchange their sins for the forgiveness of God. And when we are redeemed, and we all know a little bit about redeeming, we know that when we take a coupon to super save, and we can get our, put in our coupon, and then you redeem something wonderful like a, a picnic set that you don't want, or, or something they're giving away, that is a kind of simple image of redemption, but, it's, but the issue in scripture is about your life. It's about your sin. It's about your failure. It's about the battles that you face. That you can come to Christ as a condemned person. Condemned by our sin. Condemned by our choices. Condemned by our shame. Condemned by the sin of Adam and Eve at the very beginning. And you, because of Jesus Christ, can bring your sinfulness. And through your repentance and seeking God and asking Him forgiveness, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And you receive the gift of eternal life that radically changes who you are. 
I, I love this. That's why I love being a Christian. I love telling people about this because it works. Not only does it work, but it's actually true. It happens. I've told you, I was 15 years old and radically one Sunday night at the old gospel meeting at the Brethren Church, the Plymouth Brethren Church, where I wandered in and found myself uh, there for a number of reasons. One of them was that there's some very pretty girls there and um, a married one. And... And I looked around and, and they were singing their hymns and they were preaching one night. And suddenly, now if you hear the evangelist telling this story um, about my conversion, it's grown and grown in its intensity. It's quite good. Evangelists do that, you know. Uh, n- not pastors like me. But they, they, I remember he said, who wants to give their life to Jesus? I put my hand up. And... And then I came down the stairs from the little balcony. So the church was about sort of this big with about 70 people. I came down the stairs of the balcony and, and I came to the front and I, I, uh, my life went from black and white to suddenly high definition, glorious color. At that moment, I, I, I received forgiveness and joy and life. I exchanged my failings and my lostness and my sinfulness like the prodigal son, like the lost sheep that Jesus found. And he brought me back to where I should be. He redeemed me. Every one of us experienced this. You may be on the Christian road for years, but you should never get tired of hearing the preaching of the power of redemption. The power that has saved you. The power that has changed you. So what are we about? Well, friends, we're about good news. We are good news people. Did you know that? We, are the, we have the best news in the world we are really good news people. There's lots of bad news. I read The Guardian this morning, first thing. And, um, and I was reading all of the news about the bad news in, in Russia, the bad news in Syria, the bad news in America, the, the bad news everywhere. But we are good news people. We are people that know that there is this good news that there's good news for those who are broken. There are good news. You see, when you receive good news, it brings relief. True? When you receive bad news, it can... Well, we know what that's like. We receive bad news. But when we receive good news, it brings relief. And I've received good news. You see, I'm like the sickest person in the world... And I have been condemned to die, but one day I walk into God's surgery and he looks at me and he says, I've got some good news for you. You're no longer going to die, but you're going to live forever. I'm like that person who is bankrupt and the world has fallen to pieces and lost everything and I'm there a pauper and somebody says to me, you are not an orphan anymore. You are a child of the living God and you have a mighty inheritance. You see, I'm like that person who feels lost and, and, and unable to know the direction in life. And yet, yet sometime in my lostness, I'm, I find a compass. I find a way. I've been rescued. I've been redeemed. I was once condemned, but now I am pardoned. 
I am pardoned by God's grace of salvation. He came and he pardoned me. And I'm no longer condemned, legally condemned and guilty of rebelling against God through the sin of Adam. But Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. He gave his life, gave up the last breath, rose on the third day, and he conquered the power of sin and death and Satan. And you know what? I now can be redeemed. I can be saved. But we, we know how bad things are. We, we look at the world. We see humanity. You see, I have received in redemption something called saving grace. In other words, it is nothing I can do but his love that I cannot earn, I cannot get to, his love called me and saved me and gave me his saving, saving grace. Now there's saving grace and of course there's what, what theologians call his common grace. What is that? That is, that is grace that exists for all of humanity. You walk down Mission Creek and you enjoy creation, that is God's grace. You, you're able to think and have intelligence and, and be able to work things through and open a book and read and you've been given this. This is what we call common grace. You have the ability to choose between right and wrong and have a morality because we are not just savages and given over to everything and that is common grace. It is when you drive your sports car, and, and I know you love that, and you put down the top in Kelowna because that's why we live here. And I don't, I drive a Buick, but, pastor's car, uh, but, big fat car, uh, but you all drive sports cars, I know, I see them, and you hide them and you don't bring them to church on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> Because, you know, we'll be wondering about where your, your giving's going. Uh, but, but, but you like to put down the, the top, don't you? And, and you, 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 you're there and you put your foot down and you drive most beautiful road between, between Kelowna and, and Vernon. Uh, overlooking Kalamalka Lake with all its blue colours. And you've got the hair blowing in your, in your hair, if you've got hair. And... And you're blowing along and you're in life and you've got a glorious uh, praise song playing. And, and, and whether you're a sinner or whether you're a saint, that is common grace. You're just enjoying the sunlight, the music, the look of the lake. It is beautiful. Humans all enjoy that. That's God's gift to us. But that doesn't save us. Because what saves us is the love of God and realizing that we are, the moment we sin, we are condemned and we need a savior. That's what saves us. And it's salvation's grace that saves us, that makes a difference in our lives. It's a salvation grace that, that comes and rescues us. See, maybe if you look at humanity, we're amazing humans are. I mean, if I was to say that an alien, as I think it was the great Professor MacDonald of Glasgow University once talked in his great lecture about humanity, and he talked about if aliens were observing humanity, even in the last 50 years, and what they have achieved. It's amazing. I mean, even in the last 50 years or so, we've landed on the moon. We have achieved something incredible. In the last 50 years and, and since 
Bell invented the telephone. We now have cell phones. Incredible technology. Do you know there are 4.6 billion cell phones around the world today? I know. And there's still that guy in the movie that talks on that phone. And it's just ridiculous. But there is this, there, we have this. And now in, in India, they're giving away, what is it, the $1 uh, cell phone or the $10 cell phone. And so a whole of India can be connected by the cell phone. The microchip, the personal computer, the ability to, to uh, do uh, transplants, medical of what we've achieved, the mapping of the human genome, uh, all that we've achieved in our lives. And we, we eat McDonald's hamburgers. It's madness, but we're amazing people. We do all of this, and yet it would, for an alien, as Professor McDonald once said, it would seem that our favorite pastime as human beings is preparing to blow each other up. You see, you can't take away the power of sin and death. Sin exists, and we know that it began in the garden. And in Genesis chapter 1 and 31, we know right there in the garden that God created everything. And, and, and he saw that it was good. In the beginning, he saw that it was good. And God saw, and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. Can I tell you something? That when you have a faith in Christ, our lives become very good. When you've got Jesus our lives become very good. When you, you have a living relationship with, with Christ and you are redeemed, you are receiving the goodness of God in your life. Very good. Very good. I'm not saying life is perfect. I'm not saying life will not be difficult. I mean, I flew home. To sit with a grandfather who meant the world to me and was in his presence as he died. But he was 92. He still knew exactly what he thought about things. I mean, I was chatting there with a friend who came and sat with me. I arrived on the Saturday, sat through to the Monday. And I was telling my friend about his career. And as he was sleeping and sleeping, he kind of rolled over and looked. And he said, talk about something else. Because he was quite a humble man. It terrified me. And then I looked back and and, and I changed the subject quickly. Because when granddad spoke, you did that. And... But I remember you and I know that it it was two years ago that he said he prayed. And after... Decades and decades of rejecting the church, he came back to Jesus. You see, that's redemption for you. It it was the man who was a mason for all his life that found Jesus again at the end of his life. That's redemption. It's that moment when, when on the Monday night, the breathing changed. I looked and, and I just reached across. And I started to pray the Lord's Prayer. And on the very last breath of Amen, he died. But you know, 
It seems as I looked that week at, at his body, it seemed unfair, unright, and somehow so very wrong that we die. Correct? That's because it is. That's because in the garden, man sinned. That was because when Adam and Eve, in the glorious presence of God, in the place where God dwelt, where the place where God is, they rejected God and walked, as it were, away from God. And at that moment, and another word for sin is this, another word for sin is chaos. Chaos entered the world. Where there is sinfulness, there is chaos. There is the chaos that took place. We know that after Adam and Eve, there were those chaos years with, with, the, with all before the flood and Noah and, and so on. There was that chaos. But sin has always created chaos in people's lives, chaos in families' lives. When we live sinful lives, it creates chaos in nations and we become failed states. It creates chaos around the world because there's this oxymoron of humanity where we can create a cell phone but we can also connect it to a bomb and plant it in Manhattan last night. Chaos exists. But redemption is this. That the chaos of your life can be met by the peace of Jesus Christ. Your chaos. And you may have come in here and you look at your life and say, my life is full of chaos. Let me tell you something. When your life is full of chaos, there is a prince of peace that comes and redeems you and brings you back, as it were, into the place of the garden. A place of communion. A place of beauty. A place of where he is present. See... Although it's been a challenging two weeks, because after that moment, then on the Thursday, my dear mother went to be with Jesus. And although it was chaotic in our lives for two weeks and shocking, and we were kind of going, this happens to other people, not to us. What's going on? This is, life is spinning But though it was chaotic in the world, it was peaceful in our hearts because Jesus' whisper was there. And even in the darkest times of your pain and your chaos, in the middle of chaos, it can be very good. It can be very good because God is with you. And you know that for some of you, you've faced difficulty in family life. You've faced difficulty in business. You've faced broken relationships that you never expected. You've known chaos. But if you're in chaos today, that is not God's will for your life. Because the power of Christ frees us from the chaotic bonds of sin and gives us peace. And peace that lasts. See, does it say in Genesis 1.1... In the beginning, God was bored and alone, so he created you. You know, there's some bad theology. Often our theology is, oh, you know, why? Do, and and it, 
Well, God didn't want to create robots, and we see that. And, and we were created as, with free will, and because God wanted a relationship or wanted company. Can I tell you something? God was not bored when he created us. God was not lonely. I mean, we can't even get our heads around God. Isn't that true? God is vast. He's amazing. He's incredible. He's glorious. But he wasn't lonely. It's impossible for God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to be lonely. I mean, I can't understand God always. I feel... There are areas, I mean, a little, two little twins came up to me and, they, and their mum said that they've been, they've been talking about God and they've got some questions, Pastor Phil, and they've given their lives to Jesus and it was beautiful and the little boy stood there and they said, um, they said but they've got one, they, they, they're, they're puzzling over something. And I said, what is it? And they said, she said, well, don't worry now, boys, Pastor Phil is going to answer all your questions. I said, what's your question? And they said, this happened to me three weeks ago. I said, what's your question? They said, well, how is it that God can live forever and ever? We don't understand how he's always been. I said, oh. (laughs) And, And then she said, okay, Pastor Phil, here you go. And I, I knelt down to get on their level eye contact. And I said, well, and inside I'm saying, Lord, give me something really clever to say. <laughs> something amazing. And I don't know whether it was clever and amazing, but I looked at them. I said, do you have a, do you have a pet? Said, yeah. I said, what do you have? They said, a cat. I said, oh, I, I hate cats. And I said, a, a cat? I didn't say that bit. I thought it. Inside voice. Inside voice. I said, you got a cat? Yeah. Do you have a computer? Yes. I said, now tell me, what's your cat called? I don't know what the name was. Fluffy, I would say. Does, does Fluffy ever sit at the computer? Did they go, no. Does Fluffy understand how a computer works? No. Does Fluffy understand the complexity of, of the internet? Like, no. I said, to be honest, sometimes I feel like I'm Fluffy. <laughs> Theologically. Because I am looking at a God that created all things from the very smallest atom and proton to the greatest explosions in supernovas, the power of light and the world that we live in. And I'm trying to work out like Fluffy, how does this work? But I'll tell you something, although I don't understand, I can't get my brain around it. I know it's true. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that that in the beginning God was not bored or alone while I was created. So you tell me, well, why did God create humanity? I'll tell you. You are an overflow of God's immense love and majesty in the world. 
Think about that. You are an expression of God's majesty, of God's wonder, of God's love, of God's character. We are an expression of his very image in us as human beings. And we are not created because of some kind of little loneliness. We are created because he is mighty, abundant, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-glorious. And out of the overflow of our loving God's heart, God created you and I. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. What does this mean, workmanship? It means created and designed for a purpose, yes. But it means more than that. It actually means you are God's art. You are God's artistry. The word is used in Greek as well for poetry. So one could say, as Eugene Peterson says, we are God's poet. We are God's artistry. We are God's creation. We are God's loving. He, out of his love, as, as, as an artist paints a picture, as a poet writes a poem, as an engineer designs a glorious bridge or a building that reaches the sky, so God's workmanship is in you and I. So you've got to know that if you're born again and you believe in Jesus, you have been pardoned by the love of God. You have received the peace of God, not the chaos of this world. And you are, you are created for a purpose. You see, the world tells us that you're an accident. The world tells us that you are here by mistake. The world tells us that we're a number of uncountable mathematical coincidences of evolution that tells us that now we're here. Do you really feel like that? When you look at that coffin and you feel the injustice and the wrong because you're hearing the echo of eternity, you know that you are God's artistry. That as Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has put eternity in man's heart. In you and I, we have eternity that reigns, that is present, that is in man's heart. He has put eternity there within us. And he has come to us and done this in our lives right here. That's why you wonder there must be more. I have a purpose. Yes, you have. There's something wrong with this world. It's not right. Things aren't adding up. Is there a big conspiracy going on? Is there a big lie taking place? Well, the truth is, is that yes, we were made in the image of God, but sin stole us and broke us and caused chaos in our lives. Let me finish here. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees 
of the garden. See, what sin creates, it creates a moment where we are hiding from God. Man chose to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Take that fruit. People have said, why did that tree exist? And the answer often has been like, we've often said God is lonely, so he created us. The answer often has been, well, God created it so that we've got free will, so we can activate our free will. We do have free will. But actually, I think it's more than that. The tree was there because when I read the whole of Scripture, there are two things God loves the most. Two things. What are these things? He loves obedience and he loves submission. And the tree for me is all about that there is a relationship. They walk in the garden, God speaks something, and they are willing to be obedient and submissive to God's heart and God's wishes. And when we truly sin, it's when we are no longer obedient to the voice of Christ in our life. When we are no longer submissive to his presence. In, in Jeremiah 18, it talks about the great prophecy of, the, of the, um, the potter. And he comes in. He doesn't like the way that the pot is. And he says, well, make it again. And he comes and he, he slaps it down and he remakes it. Into the image that should be made. And that's a story of redemption, by the way. It's that I'm made one way in sin, but God comes and remolds me into a beautiful part. But I've got to be submissive. I've got to be obedient. I've got to be willing to be molded and shaped. In other words, I've got to say, I'm no longer on the throne of my life, but Jesus Christ is on the throne and he is my Lord. I've got to be able to say, that as Isaiah declared in the great prophecy, I am no longer a rebel, but I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. So we're starting our series off by explaining and exploring. Many of these truths you know. Many of them you understand. But it's about our church and what we're about. And we are about redemption. We're about chaotic lives walking through this door, messed up and finding hope. We're about people where they're burdened with shame and pain, finding pardon and freedom. We're about people understanding the fact that they are artists of God, that they're not a mistake, but they have a purpose and God the creator has created them wonderfully and marvelously and they have to discover their God-given purpose. And it's our job as a church to tell the world, to teach the world. It's about learning to listen to God's voice so we, as we explore scripture, that we become submissive and obedient to God so we are molded into that image that is Jesus in our lives, redeemed. That's who we are. That's what we're about. 
And many, many people are finding Jesus through our church. And that is fantastic. And real life, this season, you will understand our heart, our vision, to see lives redeemed. Amen. You know, Bonhoeffer said, I was so pleased to get to New York and to listen to good preaching of the gospel and to hear about the redemption of Christ. He heard that in a black evangelical church in New York because everybody else was being so clever back then with their theology. But as he sat there, he just drank in the truth that I was once lost, but now I've been pardoned and I'm a child of God. That, that message is everything to us. Father, thank you for your lovely presence here. Thank you that we can rejoice in the knowledge that we are pardoned. That we receive peace, not chaos. That we're not an accident, but we're created with a purpose. And Lord, may we always be pliable, submissive, obedient to you in our lives. And meet with us, Lord, I pray. And thank you. For the two individuals now that are going to come and walk into the waters of baptism and know your love and your grace in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.